Good morning. I was uh, just uh, thinking of uh, Evan's announcement, uh, looking about a month's time, uh, God willing, that we can get back face-to-face and meet together in person uh, and how exciting that will be, how nice that will be to actually be all together in one place uh, and be able to catch up with each other after the service, have a cuppa, all those things that uh, I really love about church. I wonder, as we've been progressing through the coronavirus outbreak in Australia with all these new restrictions that have been imposed and some just now being lifted, how would you describe your experience so far? It didn't matter whether you were a citizen or a traveller, lived here for 60 years or a German backpacker who'd just flown over and got stuck here because they couldn't get back home. We were all under the same restrictions, weren't we? And the police and the judicial system has been given all these additional authority to impose consequences and fines for people that don't comply. For Rach and I, there have been a number of restrictions that we found easier to accept, uh, including working from home as much as possible and uh, avoiding going to the shops unless absolutely necessary. Uh, Rach has worked out that with some really detailed meal planning, we can actually buy two weeks' worth of groceries Uh, at one time. Combine this with some online orders and a daily uh, walk down to the ducks to get some fresh air and some exercise and we've been able to effectively bunker ourselves at home for two weeks at a time. It's been a pretty good arrangement. But there have been other restrictions that have been imposed on us that we found harder to accept, including the need to Zoom or Skype everyone to talk to them rather than meeting face-to-face. As good as technology is, there's nothing quite like being there with the person, is there? I dare say most of us are probably similar. We don't always find it easy to comply with directions uh, that are given to us by others, particularly, of course, if we don't quite agree or understand where those directions came from. Indeed, our passage today has a lot to say on how we are to think about our local authorities Before we jump into the text this morning in 1 Peter chapter 2, let me just remind us of some of the context of this passage because I think it's important to understand the situation these early Christians were facing as Peter wrote to them in the first instance and why they may have been tempted to look at disobeying their local authorities. In the opening verses of 1 Peter in chapter 1, we saw that this letter was written to the sojourners, the foreigners and the exiles and they were located throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. These were Roman provinces in Asia. This was a large geographical area and it's quite likely that there were a number of governors and local authorities that had been appointed over the Christians in these areas and the communities in those areas to rule over them. 1 Peter was written around a time of general church discrimination and indeed persecution. It was around this same time that the Emperor Nero is recorded by historians, an emperor particularly noted for his persecution and hostility to Christians. The ambivalence or outright hostility to Christian ideas and beliefs by local authorities would have made living as a Christian in these times quite difficult. This letter was written first to these Christians whose struggle with obedience to a local authority was a very real 
and a very important question for them to understand. And in these verses in chapter 2, we have a striking response from Peter. As we will see today as we work through the passage, the message of 1 Peter 2 is that as Christ's men and women in our local communities, we are to respect and even to submit to local authorities for two key reasons. Firstly, because God is glorified when people observe our good and obedient lives. And secondly, because a spirit of respect and submission is the the example that our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ left for us to follow. So let's look now at the first of these two reasons that Peter gives for such a striking response to our earthly authorities. Josh spoke to us last week about our need to love one another deeply, having been born again through the word of God and being purified by obeying the truth each day. People will be able to see this in our lives and you'll be surprised how actively people watch what other people do. I used to work at Melbourne Airport at the jet fuel facility out there and when we had a new refueler that would start with us, one of the first things we'd always tell them is, remember, there's always someone watching. In their role, they'd often be standing outside an aircraft for half an hour or an hour at a time. They'd be refueling, doing some checks, and they'd never know if the plane was completely empty or if the plane was completely full of passengers all looking out their window. I remember we got a couple of emails from senior managers uh, who had observed one of our refuelers out their plane window while they'd been working and they'd given us some feedback. One email was very complimentary, uh, and of course that went down very well. Everybody likes good news. The other email from a senior manager included a photo that they'd taken out the plane window and a suggestion of what we'll call an improvement opportunity for something that the refueler could do a little bit better next time. Now, of course, neither of these refuelers knew they were being so closely observed on the day. Perhaps unsurprisingly, when these senior managers themselves came to site and they were walking around and talking with the refuelers while they were even more closely observed for what their actions and words told people about what what they were telling them. And if their actions, their deeds, if you will, appeared to be inconsistent with their message, then it made it really difficult for the refuelers to accept that message. It wouldn't have mattered what the message was the fact that they'd been observed doing something which was a little inconsistent with what they were saying meant that people instantly questioned their message. Now, this is true not just for refuelers or for senior managers. This is true for all of us. We might just feel like we're mowing our lawn or going for a walk or talking to a neighbour on the sidewalk, but our neighbours will often be closely watching us to see what our actions, the way we live, tells them about our message. They're wondering, what can I trust what this person is saying? The aspect of our actions that we'll be looking at today in 1 Peter 2 is really this. Is our respectfulness of local authorities going to allow people to see the goodness of our message? Or is our apparent disrespect of local authorities going to be the barrier 
that stops people understanding the message behind our actions. And of course we pray that as our own neighbours observe our respectful and our good lives, that we might have the opportunity to share the gospel with them and that through that process over time that they might come to faith and believe in Christ. As Peter writes to these early Christians, he explores the flip side of that scenario. What about those people who still see our good deeds, who still see all the things we do to try to remain respectful and submissive, and yet they still choose not to believe? What then? Have we accomplished anything in this instance, or will our acts of respect, our good deeds, all be for naught? In verse 12, we see the very encouraging news, even if people reject the gospel, and even worse, if they choose to speak against us, despite our respectful lives, God is still glorified, except that in this instance, God will be glorified at the last day, when every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and good and bad will be clear for all to see. Sooner or later, our genuinely good deeds that we do in our local community will always bring God glory in his perfect timing. And what a wonderful thing to know that God will always use those things that we do. We might feel that nobody noticed, but be assured God noticed. So we have looked so far at our calling to live good lives in our communities so that God may be glorified. But what should this really look like in our lives? What type of good deeds is Peter really talking about here? And how do we apply that to the many interactions we have with people in our communities? Some who will be in authority over us and many who won't. As we look at verses 13 to 20, Including the start of verse 13, we see our desire to do good deeds will manifest itself in an attitude that is both respectful and submissive. The first application of this respectful and submissive attitude we see is for our Father in heaven and our relationship with him. In verse 16, we see we are all, in fact, God's slaves. (laughs) We're all servants of God. No matter our earthly station, no matter how many people we are in charge of or are not in charge of, in in an earthly context, we're all servants of God. God has the ultimate authority and commands our ultimate obedience. And we'll touch back on that a little bit later. The second application of a respectful and submissive, submissive spirit in verse 17 is in fact to everyone. We're told that we're to respect everyone. It doesn't matter their past, it doesn't matter their present station or role. Our attitude is to be respectful to every person that we encounter in our day-to-day lives. Thirdly, from verse 17, we are to honour the emperor, or as it's expanded earlier in verse 13, to submit ourselves to every human authority. It might be the Prime Minister, probably unlikely for us, or the Premier. It might be a councillor. It might be a policeman. It might be a judge. We're to submit to all of our authorities. 
And there will be areas where we don't understand why we're required to do something. We don't understand how a decision was arrived at. Some things just won't make sense. But God's message is that for his sake, we are to submit to every human authority that's been put in place. And the final application I want to look at today for submission and respect is that between slaves and masters. And we'll get to how that's relevant to us uh, in a a bit. The types of slaves Peter is likely referring to here were probably domestic slaves in Greek and Roman households. Uh, And Peter here doesn't address the issue of slavery itself. That's addressed elsewhere in the Bible. Peter's focus here is on the attitude that slaves were to have to their masters. Under a good master... Life may not have been too bad for a domestic slave, but under a harsh master, life could be very difficult. Punishment could be dealt out in an unfair, biased manner, and we see this in verse 19 in the passage. The phrase there, conscious of God, at the end of verse 19, that may indicate either the master's reason for inflicting the punishment, i.e. they were aware of the slave's faith, or it may indicate the slave's motive for accepting the punishment that God sees and shares in his sufferings. But either way, verse 19 is talking to slaves who were experiencing undue suffering, not because they were doing bad things, they were doing good things, but they were being persecuted for their faith. Verse 18 tells us, slaves were to submit to their masters out of reverent fear to God. Why? because it's commendable to bear up under the pain of unjust suffering because we are conscious of God. They are not submitting to their master so much as submitting to God who has given them this opportunity to endure and bear witness to God in this difficult situation. He has placed them there at this time for a purpose. Now if we think about the situation of employees and employers today, There are obvious differences to being a slave and we need to be mindful of that as we seek to apply this. But there are also several similarities. As employees, we're also obligated to follow the directions of our employers, aren't we? Our employers also have an amount of power to apply consequences for what they may see as uh, non-compliance or poor performance uh, and often that comes in the form of a performance review. And some individual supervisors may take exception to our faith and may act in a biased and unkind manner towards us because of that. Joseph Phillips from Moody Bible Institute, in his thoughts on what we can learn from the Bible's teachings on slaves and masters, says it like this. Employees are to render faithful, diligent, Christ-like service. The kind of service Joseph rendered to Potiphar and later to the prison warden, and later still to Pharaoh. For the hours of the day they are on the job, and employees' time and talents belong to their employer. Imagine the witness for an employer if every Christian who worked for them worked like Joseph did for Potiphar. Wouldn't that be an amazing witness? Up to this point, we've looked at several areas and several relationships where we're meant to be respectful and submissive to people in authority. But you might ask, what are we to do if the direction from two of these authorities contradict each other? 
What if my employer wants me to enter incorrect dates or fudge tax results to avoid paying additional income tax? What if my government makes it illegal for me to share the gospel or illegal for me to faithfully live out what I believe the Bible teaches about abortion or creation or sexuality? A really clear example of someone faced with this predicament was Daniel in the Old Testament. In Daniel chapter 1, many of us will know the story. We read that Daniel was taken as a captive to be trained up to serve in his new king's palace. Along with all the other captives, Daniel was expected to do what he was told, including eating his assigned portion of the royal food and wine each day. But there was a problem. Daniel was a faithful Israelite and he would not defile himself with the royal food and wine. He had to choose between obeying his father in heaven and obeying his new king. What was he to do about this predicament? Well, Daniel respectfully and quietly approached the official that had been put in charge of his welfare and sought permission for Daniel and his friends to eat vegetables and drink water. Daniel chose respectful disobedience. The official agreed, and after the initial period, eating only vegetables, drinking only water, Daniel and his peers looked physically better than the rest of the cohort who were taking the royal food and wine. And not only that, they also increased in knowledge and learning and understanding of all kinds of literature above and beyond their peers. They worked hard, they were diligent, They were respectful, they were obedient in everything except where it uh, directly contradicted God's commands. Like Daniel, if we are unable to respectfully obey, we are called to respectfully disobey. While we don't have time to expand on it here, let me also make an important note that this teaching on submission in 1 Peter 2 does not mean any of us are called to be doormats, no matter our role in society. 1 Peter 2 is teaching respectful submission, not mindless obedience or passive trampling. As Christians, we're free to respectfully disagree. We're free to respectfully stand up for those we care about or ourselves. And we're free to exercise our full legal rights that we might have as being a citizen of a local authority. God has made each of us special and unique. Christ died on a cross for each one of us. Each one of us is valuable to God and none of us is more valuable or more important than any other in God's eyes. Well, we've so far looked at God's will that we live obedient lives and we've also looked at how that how that will work itself out in a spirit of submission and respect for all. And you might be saying to yourself, these two things can be pretty hard things to do at times and we're going to need some encouragement if we're to meet this calling. We looked a little earlier at the predicament of slaves and masters uh, as Peter was writing. There are still many modern examples of people living in similar situations of difficulty and persecution as Christians. And one of my friends and his wife and kids have been missionaries in a particular part of South Asia for a number of years. As they've sent back prayer letters and requests 
it's become quite clear it's a pretty tough country for Christians to live in. They shared that with the recent heightened concerns about the COVID outbreak and enhanced powers of local authorities, a number of local pastors have been arrested after being falsely accused of holding gatherings in their homes in contravention of the lockdown. One pastor they know in this situation had cancelled church. He'd even posted an online sermon and he was only at his house because he and his family lived there. But he was still arrested and although he was subsequently released, he'll need to go and face court at a later date to defend himself. What encouragement is there for this pastor and so many like him in persecuted countries around the world? Or indeed closer to home, what encouragement is there for Christians in Australia, some of whom whose family members of a different faith disowned them when they became Christians? Or for those Christians in leadership and prominent positions who are targeted by anti-Christian groups for lawsuits or social media attacks? When times like this come, we need to stay anchored in God's word, don't we? As Josh declared to us last week, we must hold close the hope that we have in Jesus, in the salvation of our souls, in the citizenship that Jesus reserves for us in heaven. Like the slave enduring suffering for his beliefs that we looked at earlier, Peter says here, it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. And a little later, if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, you will be commended. God is never neutral about things, is he? When we suffer, God sees it. When we're overlooked for opportunities at work because we're Christian, God sees that. When we're not invited to a party or included in a joke because we're different to our friends at school or work or our club, God sees that. When we're the only one in a conversation that stands up for Christian beliefs against what might be the media bias of a story or the bias of our friends. God knows, God sees that. For us in Australia, our suffering will likely look different to that of these first century Christians in the Roman provinces of Asia that Peter was writing to. We're much more likely to encounter social consequences for our faith than to encounter physical beatings or worse. But we are still called to do good and to suffer for Christ's sake. And if we do this, keeping our eyes focused on God and his glory, we know that we will be commended. Now, being commended is not about getting to heaven and there being some kind of pot of gold waiting for us at the gate or having a larger heavenly room uh, allocated to us with a jacuzzi out the back. That's not what commended means. No, commended means that when we've run our race here on earth and God looks back at our life, he will be able to see those times that we've remained faithful despite the hardship and we will receive a commendation from him. We will be able to know that we have lived a life in the footsteps of our Saviour, following in his example of a respectful life, fully submitted to his Father in heaven. In conclusion... A good life will always be noticed. Our neighbours are often watching what we do. Each respectful action we do makes a difference. And God will always ultimately use our good deeds for his glory.
as members of our communities, we've seen the amazing impact of respectful and obedient lives, the way it tears down those barriers for people to hear our message and the way it ultimately glorifies God. And we've talked about the hardships and suffering that Daniel went through, that these readers of First Peter were going through, and that many of our brothers and sisters in Christ are currently experiencing. We ourselves live in a tremendously blessed country in many ways, but our media and many in our communities are not aligned with a Christian way of life. But the harder it is for our brothers and sisters, the harder it is for you and I and our children, we must hold on to the hope that we have in Christ and remember that one day all of these hardships will be totally eclipsed by an eternity with our Saviour Jesus Christ, our heavenly citizenship. We will get to spend the rest of our lives with our Saviour. How wonderful would it be, friends, if when our last day is up and we stand before God, he is able to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You suffered and yet you endured for my sake. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the many examples in your word of respectful and faithful servants like Joseph and David. Lord, we ask, please help us to hold close our hope, our salvation, our eternity with you, that wonderful gift that you gave us. Lord, please help us today, tomorrow, and in the weeks and months to come to endure and remain faithful as we walk through this life as heavenly citizens. We pray all this in your name, Lord, and for your glory. Amen. Thank you, Andy, for sharing. Just goes, to, you know, as I was listening there, it doesn't mean that, as Andy was saying, it doesn't mean we have to be a doormat. It doesn't mean that uh, we have to roll over and abide with everything that they say or do. But it's something that we can respectfully decline and we can respectfully challenge and talk about our Lord Jesus. Mm. Uh, thank you for sharing, Andy. And um, thank you again to, to both Andrew, uh, Dev and Pat for organising the service this morning and for Kat for singing. Um, through, through their efforts we're able to have the service that we've been able to have this morning and have the songs that we've been able to listen to this morning and, uh, and worship alongside. So thank you all. Just as we close the service this morning, just like to leave you uh, with a passage from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. May Christ dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Thank you for being with us this morning. We uh, pray that uh, as you um, go about your week uh, and the coming month, that you're um, able to just reflect on the message that was shared this morning 
and be able to apply that into your life, particularly around, obviously, this, this COVID situation, but also in how we conduct ourselves and especially with our neighbours and making sure that we, we live lives that are actually consistent with the message that we're sharing. Okay. Thank you all and have a good day.